the inquisitive mamba podcast episode 57 welcome back to another episode i can't wait to record today for you guys and talk all about march madness the nfl the nba there's so much to unpack on today's show we're going to try to keep it around 45 minutes to an hour because i got some march madness games to catch and watch but i hope everyone is having a great week i know i am and i'm super excited to watch these march madness games going to get into uh, my picks a little later a little later on the show and then uh, go from there. But how about a crazy week this uh, week in the NFL? So many free agents flying off the board. Uh, it's crazy to say the least. So much money flying around. Uh, teams last year that weren't as good getting much better. Uh, quarterback carousel, Jimmy G to the nine, excuse me, Jimmy G to the Raiders, Baker Mayfield to the Bucks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers saga. We're definitely going to get into that. There's just so much to talk about. So first of all, let's talk about it. Aaron Rodgers, the drama, the drama, the drama. So I watched the Pat McAfee uh, show yesterday. I really don't watch that show. I don't really have a lot of time to uh, watch a lot of sports shows, but I did get a chance to listen to what Rodgers had to say. And most people were really excited about if the, if the decision was going to be Rodgers, you know, deciding if he was going to go to the Jets yesterday on the show. And clearly that wasn't the case. You know, he was basically catching everybody up to speed that, Basically, only you know what your sources, where you hear your sources from, aren't exactly true. Uh, my intention, you know, was to play for the Jets. Uh, you know, things are just kind of being held up at the moment. Uh, his wish list, which wasn't true, he came out and said that on the show, which was also funny as well. So, my thoughts when I was listening to Rogers, I've always thought Rogers is a very smart guy. He graduated from uh, Cal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's, you know, he's a very smart guy. He's very analytical. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He doesn't put himself in uncomfortable positions where, you know, he's going to, you know, make a mistake or mess up. And, you know, it's really nice to hear, you know, his side of the story in a way, because right now we're just hearing from ESPN, uh, Fox Sports, all the, you know, sports media outlets on, on what Rogers is, you know, going to do his decision. And then also what caught me was is, he said when he before he went into the Hayuska or his little retreat there, he said he was 90% retired and 10% playing. So that's what really got me there. And then, you know, during the show, he really broke down what, you know, the retreat was like and, you know, his decision going forward and how much love he has for the Packers, so on and so forth. But that's kind of, you know, a little bit of takeaway from that. The next thing I do want to talk about Aaron Rodgers is, is, the Jets and the Packers supposedly today are not on, uh, you know, terms for him to come to the Jets. And obviously he said his intention was to play for the Jets and everything's going to have to work out contract wise, you know, trade because in the show, you know, on there, he did say, I'm technically still under contract with the Packers. So that's technically true in a way. So he can't just hop, skip and a beat and, you know, leave the Packers. So there's some complications there. I do think this deal will get done. I probably by the next episode I record, they'll have a deal done. It's just, you know, they're working out the numbers. They're working out, you know, the trade pieces because I don't think the jets want to make the mistake. I know they really want Rogers obviously. And I'm sure it's a done deal. It's just, you know, you know how it's you know going to work out and what's, you know, in play, because obviously you had the Russell Wilson trade last year and that, you know, last year was a disaster. Now we're not saying it could change, you know, in a heartbeat, this, this upcoming season, it could definitely change. Uh, you had, uh, the Matthew Stafford trade to the Rams, they won the Super Bowl there. So, and I just think that the Jets really want Rodgers, but the Packers are, you know, they want a haul, of course, because if we're giving you our Hall of Fame quarterback, we're going to want a lot in return. 
So the Jets are going to have to, you know, bite the bullet and say, if that's how we're going to get Rodgers, we're going to have to give the two first. So at this point, if it were me, I would definitely do the two first, get it over with, because what's, you know, what's the holdup now? And they, the Jets just signed Alan Lazard, too. That's another guy uh, Aaron Rodgers is familiar with. He was on the Packers. They signed him to a four-year, $44 million deal. So Aaron Rodgers is familiar face for him in uh, New York. So, But if I'm the Jets, you got to get this done. you got to get on with it and continue because the draft is coming up. You know, you've signed some free agents uh, already. So you just got to, you know, continue to build and you got to get Aaron Rodgers on your team. You got to get it going. You got to start it. You got to start somewhere. So that's a little bit about the Aaron Rodgers uh, saga drama. But Aaron Rodgers is very, very smart. Like I said, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's, you know, putting the league on hold. It's it's his league right now. And that's that's how he's feeling now may not be that case on on the field. You know, obviously, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. But right now the the whole persona the whole everything is all about Rodgers it's all surrounding Rodgers right now so just got to get this done how about the eagles though i think everybody knew this was coming the amount of free agents they had on their team uh for this you know uh upcoming offseason basically and they've lost you know a handful but the one guy that they don't want to lose is CJ Gardner Johnson this is a guy who led the or was tied in the NFL with six interceptions last year, had a career year. They traded for him from the Saints basically for a bag of chips. They don't want to lose this guy. So everyone else kind of just, you know, fell into the laps of other teams. You got Kaiser White, TJ Edwards. Uh, Javon Hargrave I thought was a pretty big loss. But then again, the Eagles are wanting to go younger because you're not going to be able to pay a lot all those guys, of course, when you have to pay Jalen Hurts. So Javon Hargrave goes to the Niners, and then Jordan Davis can slide right in there because – He's the young D tackle from Georgia they drafted last year. He didn't get a lot of playing time because the Eagles were so deep on their defensive line. So it just makes the most sense to me that what the Eagles are doing, I think it's smart. And I don't think, you know, in in recent years, I've never really seen a team that have had the situation the Eagles have been having that many free agents because usually when you win the Super Bowl or you go, you know, deep into the playoffs or you're a contender, you're going to lose players because a lot of the lesser teams in the NFL will pick up those guys. And that's kind of what happened with the Eagles this offseason. But I just really haven't seen in the past how the Eagles, like their situation, they've lost so many players that that have been free agents, but also on the back burner, they have draft picks and they have younger guys. So it almost in a way, it seems like they were planning for this, but I don't know. That's just how I'm, you know, taking it all you know, with a grain of salt. And that's how I, you know, look at it. But I think the Eagles will be just fine. Obviously, the number one priority is to, you know, get an extension with Jalen Hurts, pay him, you know, what he deserves because he deserves that contract. I, you know, I've said this again a couple episodes ago. So, but I think the Eagles are in a, in a good position. And they ended up getting Darius Slay back. Uh, and they did re-sign James Bradbury. So they get their two uh, corners back there. I thought Darius Slay, you know, when he did get released, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, Philly wants to part ways with him, but they, you know, work something out. They're still working out a deal here. I thought he would, you know, leave when he was released, go to a contender and, you know, go from there. But I guess he's going to stay. So that's a little bit on the Eagles there. I want to talk about Baker Mayfield to the Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield to the Buccaneers. Yes, you heard that right. The original deal was one year, eight and a half million dollars. And now it's a one year, four million dollar deal with some incentives as as well. But for me, seeing Baker Mayfield go to the Bucs, I know the reports rumbled about a month ago that 
the Bucks could be potentially interested in him. But for me, you know, when I heard Jason Litt at the Combine say Kyle Trask is our guy, and then you go and sign Baker Mayfield, I think that just kills the quarterback's confidence. And obviously he did sit behind Brady. Kyle Trask did for, you know, his uh, few years he's been in the NFL. He's, you know, learned under Brady. But, I mean, maybe maybe the Bucks see something different here with Kyle Trask. Maybe they don't think he's ready, and they obviously they see Baker as a bridge QB, and that's how they want to go about it. But for me, as a young, you know, quarterback if I was in Trask's position I would just I guess it would put fire under my fire under my feet but I would also be a little upset because you're you're bringing in a guy who has been a journeyman I guess you know now at the time of his career he started with the Browns Panthers and now to you know the Rams short stint last year and now to the Bucks. so my thing is is I just I feel for Kyle Trask because I want the guy to get a shot obviously coming from you know Florida uh you can see the flag behind me, but it's just, you really want to see this guy get a chance. It would just be nice to see, but there's going to be some uh, quarterback uh, uh, quarterback debates there with Trask and Baker Mayfield quarterback duels there. So I'm not the biggest fan of the Baker Mayfield signing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they see him as a starter and they want to back up Trask again, but I just, I don't like the signing. And, and the thing is, is how many games do you think you're going to win with Baker Mayfield? Obviously, you know, you lose Tom Brady. Nobody's replacing Brady. But I just think they should just stick with Trask and, you know, play the season out and see how it goes. But I think that they have an aggressive GM and they still have the pieces on their roster. They think that they can somewhat contend in a way because they did resign Levante David. They did resign Jamel Dean, who took a hometown discount. Uh, so they still have Godwin and, and Mike Evans. So I don't know. I'm I'm not sold on that Baker Mayfield decision, that signing, but that's that's my opinion about that. So how about Jimmy G to the Raiders? Sin City Jimmy G. Well, he can roll the dice all he wants, he can play all the craps, he can, you know, hit the slots, he can do it all now. He's joins his former uh offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, from their time in New England. And, you know, I did say this on last episode. I thought Jimmy G would go to the Raiders. I did like the Texans as well. I, I obviously ruled out the Panthers as a, you know, as a to- as a whole. But I did like the Raiders and the Texans as the signings, obviously. And now he does land with the Raiders. He slides right in there. He's very comfortable with Josh McDaniels. So I think this is a good hire. Some people are a little, you know, concerned about that contract. I think he got three years, $72 million, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the exact numbers, but it's something around there. So if you would do that, I think that's right around, what, 22 and a half? Let, let me calculate that just to make sure if this is the contract here. But I, I'm i not, uh, you know, mad about the Jimmy G uh, contract. I've always liked Jimmy G. You know, he's a proven winner in this league. I know in, you know, episodes in the past I've said, you know, proven winners. And that's a, you know, bold word to say. But I it's, uh, 72 divided by three is 24, but I think Jimmy G can help this team. Obviously, is he a step down from Derek Carr? I personally don't think so. I think they're kind of right in that ballpark. Jimmy G is more of a, you know, conservative type QB. Derek Carr is, you know, more of a risky type QB. He'll, you know, air it out more than Jimmy G, but Jimmy G is comfortable in Josh McDaniel's system. They know each other very well. He's got, you know, some good weapons. Obviously they just lost Darren Waller to the giants for a third. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but, I'm I'm completely fine with the Jimmy G signing. I know some people are, you know, upset about it and it puts him in a tough spot because he's in a very tough division now with the Chargers, the Chiefs, and then the Broncos are, you know, reloading now this offseason. They got Mike McGlinchey, 
you know, put him at tackle for Russell Wilson to get him some offensive line help. They signed Ben Powers from the Ravens, get him as an offensive line help as well. So I just really like the signing of Jimmy G for me. And I, it's actually funny because a friend of mine uh, texted me over a tweet and he said, you know, what were your thoughts about the Jimmy G signing? Uh, Jimmy G going to the Raiders, you know, uh, a stud like Jimmy G, you know, a good looking guy like Jimmy G. And it's funny because I was just like, I personally don't mind it, honestly. I think Jimmy G's got a lot of swagger. I think he'll provide that, you know, spark that the Raiders need, get away from Derek Carr, that whole, you know, situation this past offseason and this season as well. So I'm cool with the Jimmy G signing. I think he provides some swagger, some coolness, that Italian, you know, macho man. So I like it. So I'm cool with it. How about Juju Smith-Schuster signing with the Patriots yesterday? The Patriots have been in a uh, – I've been in the market for a free agent this offseason uh, for a wide receiver. There was some reports that Odell could potentially go to the Patriots. They were looking into DeAndre Hopkins. That's still on the table as well there for, you know, if you a draft pick or two. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is worth the first-round pick anymore, especially at his age and his concern of, you know, being able to stay healthy at this point in his career. But I do like the Juju Smith-Schuster signing. Uh, the original contract was three over 33 and they ended up uh, changing it to around three years, 25 uh, million. So some Patriots fans were really upset about this because that was the same contract for Jacoby Myers. So they lost out on Myers and they replaced him with Juju. But I think uh, Juju fits the Patriots you know, scheme. I think you can put him in the slot as well. I know Myers was their slot guy as well. But you add him into that wide receiver room that they have with Tyquan Thornton. Uh, Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne. And if they do draft somebody at 14, now I think this may, you know, take a toll on the 14th pick for them to draft a wide receiver. If, you know, they obviously got Juju Smith-Schuster and if they will draft a wide receiver, I personally don't think they will now. Uh, Belichick's never been a big wide receiver guy, especially using that on a first round pick because obviously first round picks are so valuable, really, really get something that you need. And I guess you can say in a way that they do need a wide receiver, but I think you can get, you know, Hopkins via trade or maybe somebody else in the open market. But I would really like if they would use that 14th pick on maybe not a wide receiver. I mean, I know it would help Mac Jones out a lot, you know, obviously for his, you know, development and growth. And now that he's got Bill O'Brien uh, with him as his offensive coordinator, thank God they got rid of Patricia. My goodness. But I'm not sold on them drafting wide receiver at 14, especially when there's other talent out there. I think in this draft, especially when this draft is so defensive heavy, where I think you could really, you know, get somebody special on defense at 14. I think some guys will slide down, obviously, with this whole CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, and Will Levis, you know, quarterback uh, carousel in the draft. So I definitely think there's some more defensive help there for the Patriots that they could really, you know, use instead of, you know, draft in a JSN. And I think 14 for them would really be, you know, wise to draft defense, but that's just how I'm feeling. So that's a little bit about the NFL. We got a few more things to talk about in the NFL. Jalen Ramsey, the Dolphins. How about that? That came out Sunday and I was like, holy crap, the Dolphins got Jalen Ramsey. I mean, they barely got him for nothing, honestly. But the main thing is, is the Dolphins have to take on the rest of his contract. And I, made a clip about this. The biggest concern with the Dolphins is, is how can they help Tua stay healthy? Can Tua stay healthy? That's the main concern there because now they have all the pieces. I mean, I've never seen a, a team like this, this loaded, I guess, where, you know, having a rookie QB 
on on the books there. Now, I guess you can say the Browns a few years ago when they had Baker, Odell, Jarvis, but I think two is obviously better than Baker. And they went out and they got, you know, Jadavian Clowney. Uh, they, you know, did a few more free agency splashes there on their defense. So, but this Dolphins team now is in especially win mode. You just signed David Long. You just uh, traded for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, and the pieces you already have, you got Vic Fangio as your defensive coordinator this uh, this past offseason. So the sky's the limit for the Dolphins. If Tua can stay healthy, don't put it past this team to really go all the way in the AFC. I know the AFC is loaded, but this team is very, very good. Now they have a few things to clean up on the offensive line. I know they don't have a first-round pick this year. They they ended up re-signing Raheem Mostert. They got Miles Gaskin back. He's another you know part of their running back room there. They re-signed Jeff Wilson, so they get both of those guys back. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are very uh, familiar with Mike McDaniel as they were both in his system in uh, San Francisco. So I do, you know, like these, you know, short-term cheap pickups to the Dolphins, obviously, because, and they ended up uh, creating a ton of cap space, restructuring Tyreek Hill's deal, which was, you know, key. They restructured Bradley Chubb's deal. So this team is in win-now mode. That secondary is stacked upon stacked. The only question for me is, is can Tua stay healthy? Because if so, this team can, I think they can go all the way. And I've said in, you know, recent years about the Dolphins and even last year, people were, you know, very high and mighty on the Dolphins, but they were just concerned about Tua. But if he can stay healthy with this type of team, Waddle on the outside, Hill as well, they lost, they're probably going to lose Mike Gusecki. They're they're not a very big tight end team. That's not their, their style of play, obviously. So, but I really like the addition of Jalen Ramsey, especially he's, you know, a veteran in this league. Now you pair him next to Xavier and Howard and it's going to be tough throwing on those two guys. That's for sure. So that's about, that's a little bit about the NFL. We covered a lot, the Aaron Rodgers saga, the Miami dolphins on where they can go. The Patriots with Juju Smith Schuster, the Eagles woes, losing their free agents, recouping them with some younger guys uh, as well. Uh, the Raiders signing Jimmy G. Uh, but there's one more thing we got to talk about before I do wrap up the NFL. I just thought to myself, Darren Waller to the Giants. I love this move for the Giants. This helps Daniel Jones a ton. This will help his growth, his confidence. And, uh, you know, they had Daniel Bellinger last year and the, as their rookie tight end. He's obviously nowhere near as good as Darren Waller. The only concern with Darren Waller is obviously, can he stay healthy? These last two seasons haven't been very productive for him. He hasn't hit over, you know, 800, 900 yards, you know, so, but the previous two before that, he was, you know, at a superb tight end. And I still think, you know, Darren Waller healthy is a top five tight end in this league. I'd, I wouldn't put him, you know, in the one, two or three spot, obviously, because you got Kelsey, Mark Andrews and George Kittle. But I would slide him somewhere in that four to, you know, five spot, you know, healthy. And I do think this will help Daniel Jones out a lot. And you basically got him for the Kadarius Tony trade. So I think this works out perfectly. Like I said, this helps Daniel Jones out a lot. And the way the Giants, you know, go about it. They're not a, they're not a deep threat type team. And I think, you know, you can slide Darren Waller right in there. He fits right into their scheme. Now, the only question with him is he's a little older. He's, he's getting on the older side. He's 30. That's, you know, kind of old, but I think, you know, you keep him for, I think he's on under the books for what, one or two more years. And if it doesn't work out, you're able to cut him. But for a third round pick that you basically got, you know, trading to the uh, Chiefs for Kadarius Tony. I think it's a win-win. It's really just that you know flip-flop in a way. I talked about that in a clip uh, two days ago when he did get traded. So I like this move for the Giants. I think this can really benefit them as well, and it you know gives Daniel Jones another option. And I don't think they're done. 
uh, you know, in the free agency market for a wide receiver. And I don't, I don't think they're done. Obviously I think they'll draft somebody at the wide receiver spot with 25 depends on if they go off the board or not, but that's a little bit about the NFL. We talked, you know, heavily about that. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's it for that. How about March madness here? I'm super excited for March madness. I am stoked to the point where I'm, you know, boiling blue in my body. I don't know who's going to win this year, and I think that's what makes it more fun. Obviously, you got the Alabama, Purdue, Kansas, and Houston. Those are the four. Those are the four one seeds for me, and I'm super excited. I'm pumped to you know watch March Madness as always. It's always fun when you know there's upsets. I don't really know if I see a lot of upsets this weekend, but I'm going to give you guys my pick. So here we go. So I did uh, take Kansas in the bracket. I have a bracket with a bunch of friends uh, this year, and we did do a bracket. I picked Kansas, and the reason I picked Kansas was is because of their experience. They've been in this position many times before. Jalen Wilson's the Big 12 player of the year. And you may think, well, that's a little biased because, you know, I do root for Kansas. But I think they're the most experienced team, you know, in March Madness. Now, what's to say they can't go home in the Sweet 16 or even the Elite Eight? I think they're going to have, you know, a tougher road than they did last year, obviously. You know, I think that team was a little bit better, obviously, because they won the, you know, uh, championship last year. They had Ochai Agbaji. Christian Brown was, you know, a big factor there as well. Uh, David McCormick, they lost those three guys, but they recouped, you know, getting Grady Dick, this um, recruiting process for them. They got uh, McCuller from Texas Tech, the transfer. So their experience is definitely still there. Dewan Harris runs the floor for them. So, I'm, you know, all in on Kansas. I don't trust Purdue as the one seed. I never have. I just think their offense is too reliant on Zach Eady. And if you can, you know, shut down him, some find a way, Purdue isn't Purdue isn't going to, you know, win win anything in my in my book. So, my final four, I do have Alabama, Marquette, Houston, and Kansas. My biggest concern with Houston is is obviously the injury of Marcus Sasser. Is he going to be healthy? And that's that's the biggest concern because they did, you know, make it to the Elite Eight last year and then, you know, they got bounced. So I don't know. It's it's just it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really tough. But like I said, I have Kansas and Alabama in my championship. I love I love what Brandon Miller's been doing as of late. Uh they have experience as well, uh, with Javon Quinterly and Brandon Miller's just been a you know, freshman sensation this year. So I have my championship as Alabama and Kansas and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's what makes it more fun. And that's, you know, what makes the tournament, you know, go around. So, but I uh, have an upset for this weekend here for the round of 64 uh, today. I actually have VCU beating St. Mary's. I have, uh, what else do I have here? I have Penn State over AM. I don't know if that's really an upset, but the way Penn State played against Purdue really has me, you know, feeling a different way about them, especially with, you know, Jalen Pickett. But I know people are really honing in on this Miami-Drake matchup here. I think Miami can get it done um, in the round of 64 against Drake. I know Drake's, you know, hot, obviously, and they're the big underdog, and it's always fun to see, you know, the upset team win, you know, to see them go dancing, obviously, further than what they're, you know, supposed to go. But for me, I like, you know, Miami's guard play with Isaiah Wong. Uh, I don't know if Omir is going to uh, go into play, not your Omir, but, uh, I really like Jim Laranega and what they have going over there. They've been solid all year long. They have, you know, really great guard play. So I'm uh, I'm sticking with Miami on that one. I have Iowa beating Auburn. Something about Fran McCaffrey in the tournament. They never really go that far. Obviously, they won the, you know, Big Ten tournament last year. But I do love uh, Keegan Murray's brother. 
I think he's a you know an absolute stud. So this this game here that I'm really looking forward to though is Michigan State and USC. And the reason I'm looking forward to that is because Andy Enfield, uh, you know, in the Pac-12, and then you have Michigan State, Tom Izzo, they call him Mr. March for a reason, right? He's won, you know, so many games in March and, you know, when they're not, you know, expected to win. But this is a, you know, veteran-type team here. They know what it takes to, you know, win in March. They're sneaky, and I think they get it done against uh, USC. So I'm taking uh, Michigan State in that one. Moving on to the Kentucky Providence game, this is a familiar face for uh, some Kentucky fans, and you know, obviously uh, Bryson Hopkins. He was on Kentucky last year. He barely even played, and now he's on for, for Providence, and he wants revenge. But I just think that Kentucky can run their offense through Oscar Shibway. I think they're a little bit bigger, and they can definitely get this done. I don't have them going that that far in the tournament, but I definitely think they can get this done against Providence today. Now they're the favorite, but. Don't uh, don't be surprised if Providence does, uh, excuse me, pull off this upset here with Ed Cooley and Bryson Hopkins. He definitely wants revenge for his short stint at Kentucky, but I think Calipari's you know team is a little more talented and they can get this one uh, this one done. One more uh, game for this little upset here, I guess Duke and Oral Roberts. I know people are you know thinking Oral Roberts can upset Duke. I don't see it. Obviously, I think the talent gap there is a little too much. You play through Kyle Filipowski, Jeremy Roach in the past. He's, you know, a veteran now on this team. He's been in this position before. Tyrese Proctor's playing great, you know, down the stretch here. Duke's clicking at the right time. So I'm going to take Duke in this one. Uh, I think, I don't think it'll be that close. I think Duke pulls away in the second half. Maybe Oral Roberts, you know, gets them a little flustered in the first half. That's, you know, the, that's what March Madness is, you know, about. Get them on their heels. But I think in the second half, they will they will pull away. So that's it for uh, March Madness. There's so much to talk about there really, but you know, you got to keep it short and simple. But like I said, I have Kansas, you know, as my, as my pick there and debate, disagree, see what you want, but that's what makes it, that's what makes it the most fun. So I want to talk about the NBA here a little bit here. And the first thing I do want to talk about the NBA is Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Now I do have some stats here about Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. I don't think Jokic is going to win his third MVP. Obviously, the way that the Nuggets have been playing as of late, I think Embiid has really taken over that spot. And actually, as of today, it came out that Embiid did take over the spot for MVP as one and Jokic is two. So Embiid this season is averaging 33.4 points per game. He's first in the NBA, 10 rebounds, 1.1 steals per game, 1.6 blocks per game, and he's shooting 53.9% from the field. He's the first player to average those numbers in a season since the merger. That's pretty spectacular, if you ask me. He's leading the NBA in scoring. Uh, first player to average those numbers, which is, you know, extremely special. Now let's move on to Nikola Jokic's stats. He's averaging 24.7, 11.9 rebounds, 10 assists, and 61 games this season. Like I said, the Nuggets have lost four straight. Now it's obviously the course of the whole entire season, of course. It's not just about this, you know, four-game uh, little stretch. But what Embiid has done this season is just spectacular. Like I said, he's my MVP, most 35-point games in a season since the merger. I think, you know, looking at that there compared to what Jokic has done this season, I think he edges out Jokic, I really do, from what he's been able to do this season. And he's really, you know, been durable. He's been healthy for the for the um, Sixers all year. Him and Harden are really clicking. They have, you know, they're the arguably the best duo in the NBA this year. Embiid's averaging the most points per game, and Harden is – averaging the most assists per game 
uh, for, you know, the Sixers and, and the whole NBA. So, like I said, Embiid is my MVP. You know, I'm I'm really sticking on this one here, just the way he's been playing down the stretch. And he, he just seems so much more comfortable as of late. But he's been dominant this season. I mean, he has 24, uh, you know, games this season with over, you know, 30, uh, 30, 30 points per game. I mean, he's been, he's been special. Like I said, you really can't put it past him with averaging the most points in the NBA. The last time that, you know, I remember a big man averaging the most points per game in the NBA is Shaq for, from, from what I've seen, you know, in, in, in past years. So, like I said, Joel Embiid is my MVP. I'm sticking with that. If Jokic wins, Jokic wins his third. And I mean, that would be special. You would join Walt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, and Larry Bird as the only other MVPs to win three straight. But I'm going with uh, Joel Embiid. And originally I had Jason Tatum, but he's been slipping as of late. And I'm just not confident in the Celtics as of late. I think they'll figure it out. But I just think Joel Embiid has had such an impact on the game this season for the Sixers. Even when James Harden was out, they were, he was still carrying the load. So Embiid is my is my MVP. But I do want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 18 and two in their last uh, 20 games. I mean, it's crazy to think about it. It's special. And Giannis has been in and out of the lineup too. That's another thing there as well, which was funny. They had that scuffle a couple days ago, the Kings and the Bucks. And, you know, I just, I love the Bucks. They're just so deep as a team. And Brooke Lopez is having, you know, a arguably defensive player of the year uh, type season. So they've been special. They've, they've been, you know, clicking on all cylinders. They've been, they've been very, very special this year. Just the way they've been playing, even without Giannis, when he was, you know, he's been hurt. He had that little bit foot injury. He had that, you know, minor wrist injury that he suffered before the all-star break. And they've been, they've been great. They really have. So, I want to talk about the Lakers a little bit with D'Angelo Russell and how the Lakers probably don't plan on, you know, uh, going after Kyrie Irving this season or this offseason. I don't think the Lakers should go after Kyrie Irving. I really don't. I like the way D'Lo has been playing for the Lakers. Now you can say, you know, Kyrie Irving's a you know better player than D'Lo. Yeah, but D'Lo is much younger than, you know, Kyrie. He's only 28. I think Kyrie's what, 30, 31, 32. Let me, let me, uh, Looked that up to make sure Kyrie Irving's actual age. Kyrie Irving is, let's see here. Kyrie Irving is, he's 30. So he's two years older than D'Lo and Kyrie load manages basically every other night. He hasn't, you know, played a lot of games with the Mavs. He's been in and out of their lineup, you know, hurt. And I think D'Angelo Russell is more reliable than Kyrie. Now, obviously the Kyrie is a, a better player, of course, but you know, the way the Lakers are going, obviously, when you lose, when you're going to lose LeBron, you know, those those times, I think you want to, you know, stay with a guy like D'Lo. He's very comfortable with the Lakers. He's been there before. He knows their system. He's, you know, florist as a guard. He's matured. And I think, you know, this upcoming, you know, rest of the season and if they do make the playoffs, will determine, you know, his time in L.A. He wants an extension and I think he's going to prove himself. And I think he's already starting to prove himself. Obviously, they had that blunder against the Rockets last night, but, you know, the games he's played, he's been great. He's averaging, you know, 18 a game this year, six six assists, three rebounds, you know, in 62 games. And he's only played a really short time with the Lakers, but I really think that they should really focus on re-signing him and, you know, get away from the whole, you know, Kyrie drama because they wanted to trade for Kyrie. It was too much of a haul, but I really like the idea of sticking with D'Angelo Russell, pair him with those younger guys that you already have. And why take on another guy like Kyrie when he's 
injury prone in a way. And he also load manages when you have LeBron and AD who missed now in LeBron's career, he misses his 20, 20 games or so. He's already missed what 25 games this season. So, and you have AD obviously who can't stay healthy as in a full season. He's spectacular on the court when he does play. He didn't get a chance to play in Houston last night because the doctors don't let him play back to back. That was just something that they, you know, ruled out from his time with his, with his foot injury. And it's tough because they probably would have won that game last night, but, but no, like I said, I think you stick with D'Angelo Russell, you build around him in a way for, you know, the foreseeable future, because LeBron is obviously got maybe a year or two left around there. And then AD is, you know, just turned 30 this past Saturday. So he's aging, but I really like the idea of keeping D'Angelo Russell and, you know, going from there, sign him to that contract extension. And I think he definitely deserves it. And he's going to play his way into the contract this upcoming uh, offseason. Depends on the playoffs. So, anyways, how about Steph Curry last night against the Clippers? I mean, what can't this guy do? I mean, it's just been special what he's been able to do since he's been back. He's joins Alex English as the first, you know, one of the first only 35-year-olds to drop 50 in a game. And he's the first 35-year-old 50 points and eight uh, plus three-pointers in a game. I mean, that's just crazy when you think about it. But the Warriors haven't run on the road since January. That's the biggest concern there. And I think you can, you know, go back to the point of no Gary Payton this, you know, in time that he's, you know, came from the trade deadline. And then Andrew Wiggins is, you know, dealing with the uh, stuff that he's dealing with off the court. And I think that really affects them a lot. And their chemistry hasn't been the same. You know, obviously it's not the same team as last year when they won the championship. But I just think that I don't I don't even know if the Warriors will figure it out, to be honest with you. They're just so hot and cold. It's the weirdest thing, you know, the flip-flop record on the road compared to being at home. You know, they dominated the Suns the other night. And then they go into the Clippers on the road last night, and they're in a tough battle. And Steph Curry basically almost, you know, is able to bail them out, but he's not able to. Like I said, I just think this team will go as far as Steph Curry will take them. The engine will keep going as long as Steph goes. But I, I it's if Steph doesn't play the way he plays, I I don't think the Warriors will will go very far, honestly. Like I said, their defense is not the same. I think they desperately need Andrew Wiggins back. I really, really do. He provides, you know, that two way sense for them on, you know, offense and defense. You know, his presence on the floor is definitely missed for sure. So that's it about the NBA. Talked about March Madness. Can't wait to watch that. That's going to be super exciting this weekend. Uh, And the NFL was crazy this past week with all the free agency deals, and there's going to be more. But that'll do it for us for today. Uh, I was, you know, super uh, happy to record for you guys, get this episode out before March Madness starts. And uh, make sure to follow us on TikTok at the IQM pod, Instagram at the IQM pod, YouTube, obviously, the Inquisitive Mamba, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. As always, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time.